good to be here, amen. Yeah. If your Bibles will turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Brothers, pull that up. Father, Lord, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to come here, Lord, and congregate, Lord, and, and be in your house, Lord, and just open your word up to us, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to come here, Lord, and pray for those who aren't able to be here, Lord. Pray for those who are struggling right now with different afflictions, Lord, and just pray that you put your spirit over them and guide them, Lord, and, and give them the strength they need to pursue on, Lord, and just pray that in this service today, Lord, you reveal yourself unto us, Lord, and that we get closer to you, Lord, and get a better understanding of what you're trying to tell us and how what you're trying to guide us in our lives, Lord. Pray for the service, Lord. Pray for the song service and the preaching to come, Lord. And thank you for all things and lead us and guide us. Forgive us of all things and purify us in your presence, Lord. In the person of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. One, two, three. First Corinthians. One, two. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing and that there be no division among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Amen. Excuse me. In the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are no contentions among you. Now I say, now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. But is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name, and I baptized also in the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel with wisdom, with, not with wisdom of words, lest the, Christ, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. So here Paul is talking to the church, and he's saying, why, why is there so much division in the church? Why is you know, people having their own denomination say, I was baptized with this man, of this man, of this man? But really, it's not the men, it's not the preachers, it's not, it's not the, the people and the deacons and, and the people who are in those offices, but it's really God working through them. So it's not about us following a man or, or following somebody, or that's a really nice brother, or I go to this church because, you know, this, I like that preacher, and then, you know, that preacher leaves, and then they kind of follow that preacher. It, it's really about if you see the, the work of God moving in the church, if you see the spirit of God and the power of God in the church. So it's not about your favorite minister, your, your top five list, whatever it is. But it's about who's number one on that top five list, which is God. So that's what we need to focus on. And if he's number one, then everyone else, you know, the pastor, the preachers, the deacons, they'll all just fall right under him, and it'll be perfect harmonization and union. 
So it's not about, you know, they're trying to say, I was baptized with this person, baptized with this person, Apollo, Cephas. But it's, it's about Christ. It's about him. So if you're baptized of, of Christ, of, of him, if he was in your baptism, not if, you know, brother so-and-so baptized me or brother this and this baptized me, but if Christ baptized you, that's what you need to worry about. And so if, if, he, if he's baptized you, then you're set. Amen. And once again, you know, Paul's talking here not to preach the gospel, you know, with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made of none effect. So it's not what we're here to just, you know, be an emotional, emotional message or you know, we could hire a, a, a great motivational speaker. We could hire someone who is really smart and intelligent and could, and they could just fly words all over you and just sprinkle things. And, you know, kind of like Janice and Jambres, they said, oh, we have the same magician tricks that, you know, you have, but it's not the magician tricks. It's not just a bunch of fancy words. It's not just trying to make you feel a certain way. But it's the power of Christ coming through, you know, a flesh, coming through life, coming through a microphone to get to you and to, to guide you in your life. And we think that, um, we, we think sometimes that we want, you know, to, to come to church and have this, some type of experience, but, but it needs to be the right experience. It's not just about... You know, that all, all the flashing lights and smoke machines you see in some church these days, but it's about if God is here. And it's really about if, if God is speaking to you. Now, even Brother Branham talks about his first sermon, and he, he tried to make, he, he got everyone so emotional, he got them crying, he got them, you know, feeling amazing or, or for whatever they felt. They just, they felt something in their heart that just, you know, made them want to cry. And then he gets back to uh, the pastor and he says, that was the worst sermon I ever heard. Because <laughs> what were you talking about? Where was God in that? Yeah. You know? So it wasn't about, you know, that oh, everyone was crying or everyone was just shouting and speaking in tongues. But, but, but did God enter into their hearts and minister to them in a personal way? So it may be quiet. Everyone might just be sitting down and, and everyone's just, you know, has a look on their face. But, and, and, and it might not look like something's going on. But it's what's going on under the surface. You know, same with when you, when you plant a garden, when you put a seed in the ground. On the surface, you might not see anything going on, but give it a month, give it six months, give it a year, and you'll see the fruits of what was what was what was in the ground start to sprout up, and, you, and then you'll see the life, you know. But if if you just you you could you could you know whatever you want to do to the ground, you could shout at the ground, you could stomp on it, you could you could scream at it, but if there's not a seed of life in there, nothing's going to come out. So there's there's no point in, in trying to make a show. There's no point in trying to get a motiv motivational speaker. There's no point in trying to get lights in the smoke machine, but it's just a point of, of whatever's here, I'm just giving it out to you in the way that God revealed it to me. So it's not, it's not about a show, but it's about what's happening in your heart. And there may never be, there may never be a noise, there may never be an amen, there may never be a, a shout or a scream, but if God is changing a heart, then that's, that's what matters. You know, it's not about how much money the church is drawing in, it's not about... You know, how many famous people come here, if the mayor comes here, if, if uh, the president comes here, whatever happens. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that, but, <laughs> but it, doesn't, it, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how, how high profile the person is. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, whoever would come here, it doesn't matter. If, if a famous athlete would come here. It doesn't matter who it is, but it's, it's about, is, is God in the church, you know? Is God here? It's not about all that other stuff. So.
And if we, if we lean to those things in our humanity, we'll, we'll make the cross of Christ of none effect, as the Bible is saying, as Paul is saying. So we have to be careful of what we're listening to and, and what we allow ourselves to listen to and be yielded to. And to, to always, you know, check the spirit inside of us to make sure that that same spirit is, is in what's being brought forth. So not, not just, oh, well, that's a good minister. And he's, he's been preaching for a long time, so he knows what he's talking about. But you need to know what you're talking, what, you're, what you know and what, you're, what he's talking about in order to know if what he's talking about is right. Because it's going to come out the word. It has to. Or else the cross of Christ will be made of none effect, as the scripture says. And continues. Verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And there's so much, so many things that maybe we do as believers that people will believe are foolish and they, they don't understand it. It's like, why, you know, why is it in, in 100 degree weather in Georgia that you're still wearing pants or why are you wearing that skirt or why, why, why do you do these things? Why, why do you spend so much time? You know, why do you drive so far to go to a church and, and then sit there for two hours for two sermons and you, that, that's your day off work. You just stay at home and relax and what are you doing here? Why, why do you always... And there's so many things that they just see foolish, but really in God, it's wisdom. So the foolishness of the world is the wisdom of God. So the things that they see as foolish, we understand that it's edifying to our souls and that it's not, it's not just foolishness. It's not just you know, something we're making up, but it's really God in the church. And that's why we come so far. That's why we come from these different places. And that's why we, you know, we just accept everyone who comes the way they are because we know that God can do a work in their life. So it's not that we're wasting our day off of work. It's not that we're, we could be doing something better with our time. There's nothing better we could be doing but to be in the house of God and, and, and you know, receiving his promises and, and opening his word and having it unveiled to us and, and, and all his people and being just around the people of God, being around good influences and, and, and to be edifying to each other as the scripture is opening up to everyone's heart individually. Amen. Yes, what's seen as foolishness is actually the power of God working, working in every one of us. In verse 21, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom, no, not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So even through the foolishness of, of having a man come up here and just do his best to try and try and get something to you and the foolishness of you know, even if you know the Bible even if the dumb donkey talks to you, if it's the truth you have to listen to it, you know, because that that same tr spirit of truth should be in you. So no matter how it comes forth or where it comes from or who says it, it's still true. And even sometimes, you know, sometimes we hear the same message and we feel like we're, we're coming to the church and, hear, and we're hearing the same thing every week, but it's not any less true yesterday than it is today. You know, and the same that one plus one is two, and a thousand years later, one plus one will still be two. And, and the promise of Christ and the sacrifice that he made is never less true. It's never, it should never, you know, be less effective to you. It should never lose its, its spark. 
in your heart. And whether today, whether we keep preaching for a thousand years, it doesn't matter because it's, it's, it's true. So it's always true. No matter how long it's been, it's true. No matter how far ago it was, it was true. So it'll always be true. It's an eternal truth. And, you know, verse 25 again, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So even the best that we can do isn't, isn't half as good as, as, the, as the worst that God, hypothetically, the worst that God could do. You know, even, even, even our, the best that we could do, if we just lived the best life we could and we try to do all these works, and they just still be filthy rags. So it doesn't even matter how much we try to work and how much we try to pump up and put all this effort into it. It's just filthy rags, you know. And imagine maybe it was your birthday and, and it's a great day. And everyone wouldn't have your birthday. It's, it's a wonderful. Everyone's giving you presents. And then you open one present and it's just some filthy rags there. And, and it's just some dirty. It, it smells. As soon as you open the box, you smell how filthy it is. You want to throw up. And that, that's our righteousness. That's all we can amount to. That's all we can do is just uh, some filthy rags. And, and to offer that before God as a gift, is yeah, that's foolishness. But if we just lean to what God wants, then it'll be open to us. Because then, you know, the best we can do is not, <laughs> the smallest God can do is better than anything that we could ever produce, the whole of humanity could ever produce. And to think of, of greatness, our, our conceptualization of greatness, you know, we would think of someone who's great. Maybe we think of someone who has a lot of money. Maybe we think of someone who's really tall or really strong or is a great, can fight anybody and does what they want. And when we think of greatness, we really think of Goliath. We really think of a, a great tall man who can do whatever and he, he can just, no one messes with him and he goes where he wants and does what he wants. But when God was bringing forth his word, he brought it through David, yep. just a small runt, in the run of the litter, just a, a shepherd's boy. You know, his own father wouldn't even consider him. Isn't that something? His own father was like, oh, him? Like, like, here are all my sons. All of them? Are these all your sons? Oh, well, I mean, there's someone else. But his own father would, wasn't even, he's like, oh, it couldn't be David. I mean, David's just, <laughs> but God saw, saw David's heart, and that was a man after God's own heart, was David. So it doesn't matter what the world thinks. You know, the world may look at you and just see something weird and strange, but God sees you, and God sees your heart. So it's not even, we don't have to worry about what everyone else thinks because David wasn't worried about what everyone else thought because everyone else thought, oh, we're not going to fight Goliath. That's crazy. He, I mean, look at him. He's killed how many people now? And, and he's just this great, ferocious man, and he's a giant, and, and it, it'd just be impossible. But God, David wasn't thinking about what everyone else thought. David knew that God made him a promise. David knew that he was going to be king. And David took that promise and slew Goliath because, because he knew. He knew something that no one else knew. And even today, we know something. We know things that no one else knows, that they're not aware of. So we need to come forth with that, that same boldness to the throne and, and throughout our lives and knowing that God is in us trying to work, do a work through us, you know, no matter who we are in our lives, in our, in our daily lives, just trying to be an example of Christ and, and not, not you know, falling back on your, on your beliefs <clears throat> or changing for the crowd that you're in or, or whatever the case may be. But we need to stand firm on what, you, what we believe. Amen. Amen. And verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Now, 
that word confound, it just it just throws a wrench in people's plans, you know, when they think that, <clears throat> you know, the, the world is so obsessed with the education and, and bringing things forth through education and and the intellectualization of everything, that everything has to be, you know, through the book or by the book. And the Brother Bram talks about this all the time, where, you know, people can lose God, you know, through pursuing education. And he, right. he of course, never said that he promoted ignorance. Right. That you should always, of course, get your, get your degree, or not get your degree, but you go to school and be educated. You don't have to get a degree. But yeah. be educated. He's not promoting ignorance. He's not promoting that you, you know, don't be smart or, or not that you can't, you know, be a scientific minded. But when it comes to the word, you have to completely surrender all those other parts of you to the word. Even if you are, you know, someone who's educated, who likes to, you know, look at things rationally a lot of times. But when it comes to the word, you just have to believe what he said. And then that's how you accept the promise. It's not through any, you know, rational understanding or, or logic or, or we're trying to put God through the scientific method so we can prove him. But God will prove himself through his word. It's not, he's not going to prove himself to, according to man's laws. You know, and a lot of times when people, you know, who don't believe, they talk about, you know, God doesn't show himself, God doesn't prove himself. But oftentimes the, the problem with them is not that it, it's proof or evidence. The problem is that they have, really have a heart issue. It's that they don't want to surrender their heart. So now they, they've made things up so that they, they have an excuse not to. You know, because as many people, uh, like many, you know, famous atheists will say, oh, well, there's no proof and there's no this. And then someone will say, well, if God was real and he, he did come to you like that, and they, and they would say they still wouldn't follow him. So what's the point of him revealing himself if, if you're still not going to follow him? So really there's no, he, he has no obligation to prove himself to someone where he already knows their heart and that they won't accept him. So it's not, a, it's not that, oh, there's not proof for God, there's not evidence, but it's really that we have a heart issue and that we're trying to, you know, have an excuse as to why we have this heart issue. And instead of looking into ourselves, we, we look at God and blame God for our heart issue. Amen. Amen. So if we look inside and, and we, if we, we get right with God and we, we study our heart and if we honestly examine ourselves, and we come to God humbly and with humility, then he will reveal himself. He reveals himself according to his word and not through the intellectualization of the world. So it's not, it's not going to be through... You know, being the smartest guy, the smartest guy, who, who has the highest IQ, and we'll get him up to preach because he clearly is going to know something more than we do. But, you know, it's, it's just the humility and the, and the humbleness. And it's not about your degrees or how smart you are or how, how well-studied you are, but it's just about if, if you were humble enough to allow God to dwell in you, if you were humble enough to surrender completely to God and let him dwell in you and let him govern your life and, and get rid of those things that you know you shouldn't be doing or that you know you shouldn't be there, that, that grudge you're holding against somebody, the attitude you have towards somebody, yes. just let that all go. And if yeah. you're humble enough to accept that, then God will show himself and prove himself yeah. in your life and, and he'll, he'll show you many works. Yeah. And that always, it'll, it'll confound the wise, as the Bible says. And a confounding variable in science is something that just, it just ruins the whole plan. They just can't understand it. Yeah. It's this thing that, you know, if, if, you, if you carry out a, a scientific study with a confounding variable in it, that study just, it can't be, it can't be recorded, it can't be uh, considered reliable. But God puts those things in there and to confound the wise so that they don't understand it. They think, oh, well, it just can't be done. Well, if it's not the scientific method, if it's not this, if it's not that. But God puts that in there and, and, and to confound the wise, but for the simple and the humble to understand it. So he, and he confound, confound things of the mighty. You know, people think someone who's mighty is once again like Goliath. It's a great warrior and just very aggressive. You can do what they want. They don't have to listen to anybody. But but what's mighty about God is that He's humble. Amen. And even when He came, He was so humble. And even when people 
you know, they were like, oh, the Messiah is going to come and he's going to come on like a chariot and he's going to lead us into battle and we're going to take the Holy Land back. And, and he comes and he doesn't even have a place to lay his head. He comes yeah. as a, you know, his, his uh, earthly, you know, father, I guess, was a carpenter. He's just, isn't that the son of Joseph? Like, how is, who is this guy? And, and they expect him to come in his priestly robes and in his kingly robes and with a sword in hand, ready to, you know, slice up the Romans. But that's not how he came. He just came humbly. He just came so that anyone, he could talk to anyone. He just came gently. He came so that, you know, he could talk to a boy and, mul and multiply that food for, for you know, a, a, a large amount of people. That he could do these simple works in people's lives. He could say, get up and walk. He didn't come so high and mighty that he couldn't just come down and talk to people and, and people who were sinners. And, and the way the Pharisees were, they wouldn't even talk to those sinners. They're like, how could, how could you talk to these people? And Jesus is like, I'm, I'm here for the sick people. You know, a doctor is here to, for the sick people. A doctor, you're not going to see a doctor talking to only healthy people. That's not what a doctor is for. So in the way that, you know, we, we try to interpret God's word sometimes, but he interprets it by manifesting it. So when those things are manifested, that's how we know what God's will is. It's not, it's not for him to be high and mighty and boasty, but it's for him to be humble and to come here and, and to minister to us so that everyone can get it. So that even people who aren't educated, even people who, who don't, know the word completely, even people who don't fully understand, you know. Um, I think uh, Brother Brown talks about how he didn't know how to pray, so he just got the alphabet and just put it up, and it said, God, you just make the words, and, and that type of, and the fact and, and that God wouldn't look down upon that, God wouldn't be so high above that and say, well, no, you need to go to school and you need to get education so you can really know the big words, and then you can write it down, and then you can pray to me. But God could just go to a child who just only knew the alphabet and can then just answer his prayer because he didn't know how to pray. That God could just come down to us and where we were in all our lives and, and where we were and, and how, how downtrodden and, and, and unholy the things we did. But he could just come to us and he wasn't, he wasn't too proud. He wasn't too mighty. He wasn't too high and above us to come to us. So we need to walk, and we need to walk with that same humility. So God bless you. Let the musicians come.